NetUp Insight 2016 in Berlin here. Uh, this is day one of NetUp Insight. Uh, I've got a whole group of people here at the table in the uh, Insight Central while the general session is going on. Because that's the only quiet time we can find, I guess. Uh, so with me today is, we'll go around the, the table and introduce everybody. So starting with Glenn. Hey, Justin. How you doing, man? Good, good. And uh, sitting next to Glenn is... Hi, Justin. It's Josh. Josh. Josh who? Josh Atwell. Oh, not Joe M. Right? No. Um, and next to Josh is... Andrew Sullivan. Ah, you ruined it! Oh. Across from uh, Andrew Sullivan, I guess, is... Brendan Wolf. Brendan Wolf. Oh, okay, man. good. Somebody, somebody knows your name. <laughs> I'm, I'm confused. Uh, We're I, all course... going to switch names up after that point. That's not happening. All right, no. I, of course, am Justin Parisi, and next to me is... The real Andrew Sullivan. The real Andrew Sullivan. <laughs> anyway, Garrett Mueller, technical director, is here. He is not actually Andrew Sullivan, uh, so in case you get confused. So uh, we're going to go around and talk about our experiences today at Insight, what sort of things we learned and did and saw. Um, it's day one. The Insight Central opened up at uh, bright and early, was it 9? 10? 9.30. 9.30, yeah. So they don't play here. Well, I, no, I asked about that because... I was trying to get in, and they weren't letting me in. Oh, really? Um, but I, I asked about it, and the reason was is because everybody was coming in, and they didn't have a whole lot for people to do. So mm. let's open up Insight Central and give people something to do. Because this isn't Las Vegas, and you can't just go. Uh, that things. you know, there 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 may be some truth into that. Yeah. yeah. But it is Berlin. It is Berlin. Berlin yeah, is I, beautiful. I would actually argue there's more to do in Berlin than there is in Vegas. <laughs> Vegas is pretty one note. It's a different note than the one you play just about anywhere else in the world, but it's one note. It is. It is. Um, it's very cold here in Berlin this week. Uh, yes. I think we just hit peak winter almost. Yeah, yeah, totally. 20 degrees at night or so. I'm so glad I didn't bring a coat. I'm glad you didn't either because I love you hearing you complain. Coat? Well, I brought layers. Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about this in the plane. I forgot. Josh is an onion. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of I which, dress, I dress like an ogre, Layers. <laughs> I need to know. Let's let's start to peel this onion. Josh, what have you done today, my friend? Because you are spent. You're, you're sitting here with a half-eaten pack of M&Ms, just desperately trying to get your blood sugar back to the point where you can think again. Yeah, uh, I've done nothing but talk, nonstop. Like, it's been... It's been a pretty stellar day one, uh, I guess, here, here at Insight. I uh, had two sessions today. We had some preparation for the Wednesday general session. I uh, had this great conversation uh, with a lot of listening involved with a very irate cab driver who was having none of the shenanigans of anyone else on the road. Uh, it, is, it has been interesting. A lot, a lot of really good conversations at the Developer Cafe. Uh, that's been popping quite a bit today. Uh, some considerable sticker distribution. Yeah, so, the yeah. sticker game is on point. I got to. I got to tell you, I'm seriously impressed with what has been thrown down over in the developer cafe. You know, when they when I basically took on a role that no longer had me writing code anymore, I had to take up another passion, and that passion is designing and distributing stickers. Well, as as a sticker aficionado, uh, keep it up, good friend. Thank you. So tell us a little bit more about this sticker. It's a sticker exchange, right? Well, I mean, it's not a formal thing, uh, but if you go to yeah. the developer cafe, we've strewn the entire space with stickers all over the place. We've got the pub sticker, which is um, just the, the standard logo that we have on, on the website, but it is die cut. It's very nice. It's very classy. It's a great gift for friends and family. 
we also have several of the integrations from the SolidFire side. I'm hoping to expand this also into into to more of the NetApp ecosystem, but for our Java SDK, Python SDK, PowerShell. So yeah, just you know, adding adding more uh, laptop love. Yeah, I didn't know you guys had a .NET SDK for Element OS. That is what our PowerShell integration is built on top of. Well, I, I learn something new every day. I noticed continues. there's a lot of uh, Ilio doing things stickers, like Ilio Chef, because he's you know, Chef. Uh, we don't have an Ilio Chef one a puppet, yet. Sorry. It's a puppet, puppet one, one, yeah. Yeah, the strings. Yeah, but I am looking forward to trying to figure out how to do an Ilio uh, Ansible one now that Submit uh, released on the pub uh, Ansible module for, for SolidFire. So we're kind of excited about that. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to do yet, so listeners, if you have a suggestion, um, hit us up at NetApp Pub, and I will take those into consideration. So if you're interested, the Developer Cafe is as you walk into the Insight Central on the left, uh, coming from the halls. Yeah, anyone who's here at the show with us this week, absolutely, make sure you come by. Come by. And for those of you not, we will do a VR reenactment later in the future. Oh, really? Of no. walking into the yeah. hall? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we, we go call up Will Smith, not the actor, but the formal tech journalist, see if we can get in the, the Foo beta and, and create a, a VR reenactment. I'm sure that's something we'd get done. I think it'd be pretty no. cool to do like first-person perspective video game where like you're running and then you switch... So basically a video game where it's not a first-person shooter, it's a, a first-person swag collector. Yes. You basically go to the yes. vendor booth at a first-person um, video game. And like you switch no, your that's arms the first, out. All right, that's we're, the, we're hitting peak dork here. Yeah, yeah that's should. the first 20 minutes of VMworld. Yeah. That's, yeah, right when they open the show floor. All right, so rounding it back out, it's been a really busy day talking with folks about SolidFire and mainly DevOps. A lot of conversation around DevOps. It's It's huge. Huge. Uh, also with us are some more uh, people from the Dev Cafe. Uh, Garrett Mueller, uh, what are you doing over there? Yeah, so I uh, delivered uh, one uh, flash talk or lightning talk or whatever we call them. Rapid, uh, rapid fire, rapid talk. fire tech yeah. talk of some sort. Rapid fire talk. Yeah. Uh, I talked about the integrations we have with the Docker volume plugin, and uh, I ran Splunk on top of Mesos with SolidFire. Yeah, you did. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Um, we did our, like Josh said, the uh, uh, rehearsal for the keynote demo on Wednesday. So that went really well. I thought so. Yeah. So that was fun. And mostly I went to uh, uh, Sully's sessions and heckled him from the front row and you know, hung out a little bit, talked to people afterwards to see what their interest was in containers and orchestration. And, you know. All in all, it's been crazy. It's also amazing how many people are interested in these technologies that, you know, this kind of emerging, this emerging tech that we're working on, and um, in some cases, how deep they are already into it. And looking at how do we solve the storage problem, very excited about the uh, kind of integrations that we're doing and what's coming up, you know, up ahead in the future. So, super exciting. I'm interested, Garrett, in, in your opinion. You know, it's been it's been a year since we really kind of launched uh, the the container initiative. You know, I remember last year here on the show floor, uh, the Flocker guys were right over there. It was very prominent, showing off. You know, the, how how the the beginnings of this ecosystem was going to develop. Based on that year of of, of growth and and what the the audience is like here, do, do you feel like? This, this transition is happening faster than they typically go or about the same pace? I would say it's happening faster. Uh, it's still at the, at, at the point where it's in pockets and certain groups that are more forward looking are, are tending to do it. Um, but it's already in production at, you know, with customers. 
Uh, it's something that there is on everybody's roadmap if they're not already thinking about it or they're already playing with it. I mean, I would say 90% plus are uh, have already played with containers or they know their organization is thinking about it seriously. Uh, so I think it's definitely the next wave and we're right in front of it. So it's, it's really exciting. I mean, it definitely changes. Like from a year ago, yeah. the players are not necessarily the same in, in all cases, right? Uh, the way that you do these integrations changes rapidly because all of these companies are on two to three month release cycles. Mm -hmm. So it's you know a very rapid change. Uh, so keeping pace with it is hard, but I would say in the last year, it's been super exciting and the potential there is is amazing potential for you know infrastructure that is managed more by the application than, than by the individual administrators, right? Yeah. Uh, all the automation that would go into not having to think about how do I actually piecemeal divvy up these resources anymore, but how do the apps just take it, do what they need to do, and make sure that you're servicing up, this up more like a service provider than anything else, right? It's just super exciting to see it all take shape. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say one thing on like the adoption framework. Like, there's two things I think that are causing this. One, the barrier to entry and the barrier to adoption is still fairly low. And number two, when you look at a lot of other technologies that you know, we've seen come and go or you know, kind of rise up and be the hot thing but kind of dissipate, and even looking at VMware with its ascension, you know, the, the stakes involved with something being wrong or it getting wrong or it being failed or you know, it losing commitment and support was what could be fundamentally devastating. Right? If you, ha you adopt a technology that doesn't get committed long term or you have a technology that is not robust enough. I mean, we remember the days when yeah. we were talking about like, yeah, I do stuff on VMware, but not my exchange server. And gosh, I'm never going to put a SQL server on there. And now people are just like pushing the limits on that. But it wasn't until that it became stable enough that people felt comfortable doing it. But when you look at container technology, this is a scenario where the application itself is being designed for the resiliency. So there's nothing slowing you down from wanting to adopt it other than yeah. understanding the limitations and how your application can you know, handle those limitations. So I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I guess the thing that, that that quite frankly caught me by surprise, you know, is is 2013 Docker hits 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 the ground running, get, gets a lot of attention by the developer community for for very obvious reasons to everyone at this point, right? We've all been shown the light now and, and understand why there there are serious benefits to, to every organization, uh, particularly in in the dev test and QA parts of of, of the life cycle, but. You know, 2014 was the overlays and, and getting all the, the, the networking parts uh, and service discovery layers sorted out. And then 2015, here comes the wave of orchestrators and figuring out how we're going to do massive scheduling and, and, and high-level uh, deployments. And now, in 2016, they've made it all the way through the architecture. And now every serious orchestrator is, is making serious inroads into persistent storage and figuring out how that, that they're going to they're, they're play, which that is a seriously impressive ramp up from, from absolutely nothing to a full sprint in three years. Like from my perspective, it just seems like it's blazing fast. So I was curious if, 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 if that aligned with what you guys see in the Barnacle team. It absolutely does. And it is blazing fast. I think that the good news for them is they are actually informed by the journey that virtualization took. So it's not really a question for them of what they need to do next, right? They actually have their roadmap built for them. Yeah. Um, I also just want to talk for a second. Josh mentioned it with you know the whole trepidation about running SQL, for example, in a, in virtualization. In a session earlier today, we actually had 
somebody say, but who would run SQL in containers? It's like, this is where we're at right now, right? But I think we'll get to that point of comfortability with that kind of thing much faster than we did from bare metal to virtualization. Because yeah. people are already kind of used to the idea of a virtualized thing, virtualized-like thing, even though containers aren't necessarily virtualization. That concept is more familiar at this point. I think we're going to move there really quickly. Well, and add one more element to that, Glenn. Look at what they put in the virtual center server now. You can yeah. you can manage containers in virtual center server now. You you look at the you look at the roadmap that it took and how long it took before they made that commitment and that actually happened. That is not shabby. That's not shabby at all. So that'll be really interesting to see how um, the fact that Microsoft now has the Docker engine embedded in the server 2016. Yes, sir. Virtual center server now has. Uh, the management of numerous container technologies embedded directly in the virtual center server. Con two constructs that IT organizations know and trust now ha are extending you the capability to, to kind of move towards containerization. Now the only barrier, I wouldn't say your only barrier, but now the bigger barrier that you have are getting the right applications being built that are going to effectively take advantage of containers. And I mean, that's the that's the biggest barrier that I think uh, that Docker and containerization in general has is just that continuing growth and upswing of applications that are built purposely for taking taking advantage of that technology. I was at KubeCon last week in Seattle. That's like the best conference name ever. Yeah, KubeCon. KubeCon. Yeah. And uh, there were actually a number of uh, customers talking about case studies, like case studies like customers that had deployed Kubernetes and they were looking at uh, how do we actually use this with our legacy applications, right? The applications that weren't built, microservice-based, containerized. And I was really surprised how many of them said the vast majority of what we're looking at, we think we can containerize and get some value out of doing that simply because you can then run it in their massive you yeah. know, compute farm, right? They can run whatever they want to run. It's all you know, isolated, right? Similar to what you would get out of virtualization, and uh, managed in a way that the other applications are managed, right? And so you get all those kinds of advantages, even if you're not necessarily taking advantage of the scaling properties yeah. of a microservice application, right? Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting. In fact, Red Hat I think talked about this specifically. They said 80% of what they're seeing on OpenShift right now is what they're calling lift and shift, which is exactly this, yeah. this idea of taking an existing app getting it just containerized enough as a monolith to exist within the container ecosystem and to run that way. That, that just makes sense though. I mean, yeah. you would start by just getting it to run there and then you know, if, if it turns out that that scale model is too large mm -hmm. and, and, and it's time to, to pull a component out and, and start to distribute it, well, you can slowly make your way down that path, but now with all this agility and capability in your tool bag. Yeah, and in fact, they even talked about, I thought this was really interesting, taking the taking the uh, advantages that they get, the, the efficiencies and uh, of, of being able to manage it like that and manage and, and actually run it across, you know, that homogenous compute cluster that Kubernetes is running and uh, taking all the savings from that and applying it to actually developing microservice-based applications or, or converting these things into something that's more microservice-like, you know? So actually thinking about how do they fund themselves using this lift and shift? Okay. Which, by the way, let's let's all like not forget history. That's how the virtualization error actually happened, mm -hmm. right? We'd go get ESX on one server, and we'd be able to consolidate ten others down onto that one, yep. and then we could slowly eat our way through the data center. And it took a while, but that's the same exact process that that the IT industry went through and rebuilt everything. Yeah, but I mean, we're we're talking about applications versus P2V. 
No, I get and it. I get it. I get it. I know, get that, it. That, that is a much taller, tougher uh, pill to swallow. I don't, I don't think that, I don't, I actually don't think that most organizations need to rewrite the stuff they have today. Because the stuff they have today are, for the most part, works. And, and the development is, for the most part, done. It's the new stuff where, where, where there's massive benefits to, to be had. Oh, so you're saying that they don't need to go out and rewrite their applications no, simply I, to be on containers. You're saying yeah. that you know they they should just focus on net new applications, and unless they see, I guess, a situation where they were planning on doing a rewrite anyway, or yeah, I mean, yeah. if if you're if you're not, listen, you're not going to go back through and rewrite <laughs> that mainframe application. It's going to continue to run on a mainframe. Cobol, it yeah. works great, yeah. right? There's no reason to touch it. You know, it's 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 why I, I rail so hard whenever we start to talk about what's dying because nothing in IT ever truly dies. It just goes from market leader to niche solution. Yeah. Let me let me fax you a report that I, highlights how that changes. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag container Cobol. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, we could we should totally do that. So, Brendan, uh, what about yourself? Uh, what sort of things have you been getting into today? Um, I've been in the OpenStack booth um, talking to a lot of customers who are um, getting more mature with their deployments and asking a lot of questions about um, uh, the work we've been doing in Manila, which is the OpenStack File Share as a Service project. Um, we just had uh, the most recent re- release of uh, Newton. I think it was release 14 of OpenStack where we put a lot of effort into um, uh, add some of the disaster recovery features and, and some more replication features in, in Manila. So um, that, that's taken off for us. I've also spent some time in the developer cafe um, trying to connect customers with uh, the right um, developers and solution area experts. And, and you know, just to pile on to some of the conversation that we've already had here is I, I've been really excited to hear how customers are deploying an entire ecosystem of modern tools into their data center. And it, when I was having this, cus- this kind of conversation a year ago, the people at, at this show, a lot of storage admins and infrastructure guys were saying, I know this stuff is coming. I don't really understand it. I don't know what the requirements are. My developers are using tools with strange names and, and, and it kind of freaks me out too. Now I'm evaluating these different vendors. They're knocking on my door and um, I know how these things should work together and I'm trying to figure out who, which companies are investing in a serious way so that I can build my business with, with those tools in the ecosystem. So they're, they're, they've, they, they've gone from being outsiders to being insiders in these modern tools and I think that's really good for, for us and the people who are working on these team, and this team and figuring out who NetApp should be partnering with and the integration points that we should be pursuing because we're starting to see, people are, there, there, there are companies that are starting to stretch out and become leaders in their space. And it's exciting to see some of that stuff mature and work together a lot better now. And it's happened super fast. Yeah, it's, it, it's the inclusion is the point in it which I started to honestly pay attention because the, the second it stopped being a competition and started being a conversation about, okay, you guys found massive benefit Let's start to talk about how we can actually manage this as, as a front end of the house, you know, the operation side of the, this oversimplification that we, that, that, that we like to make. Uh, when, when all of those various different arms started to work together, that's when you start to look at it and go, okay, yep, it's time. And maybe something else I, I've noticed as well is I think there, a year ago there was a fear on the operation side that... Um, my, my purpose for existence is fading yeah. away because all this stuff will be automated. Now they're, now they're, they're realizing, actually, I, I have a huge role to play 
in um, how these these future data centers are going to be architected, and I need to make sure everything is, is working together properly. And I, I, I and there's a, there's a learning curve for me to bring um, wisdom, experience, and and um, deeper engagement with the developer side. And and so there is a, a strong purpose, but that pur- purpose is pivoting from the old way. Well, I mean, you look at, and I've, I've stated this before, hell, I may have even stated on this podcast before, if you look across our industry, the number of people who are dedicated server administrators, I'm talking, you know, a, a Dell R630, a Cisco UCS220, like, the people who are dedicated, focused only on doing that has diminished considerably. I mean, it's it's a very narrow market for server administration. Most of those duties and responsibilities are now taken care of by virtualization administrators, people who own the virtual environment, who own the hypervisor, whether it's VMware or whether it's you know uh, OpenStack, whatever. Like those folks have now started taking ownership of, of that as part of their job. And you know when I'm having conversations with folks, you know they're looking at this. And to your point, they kind of look at it both ways. They're like, ah, you know that feels like it's taking away a lot of the value, but they're starting to finally see that, oh, wow, I actually have been under-providing value from what I could have been providing because my discipline is extremely important to the overall success, right? Uh, And I've said this before as well. I'm not a storage person, but I fundamentally respect and understand how the data management structures and the things that the features and capabilities that are on a storage system, how critically important they are to the overall success of being able to develop, release, and manage software. I, it's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's uh, building real teams, right? Taking, taking a bunch of, of, of separate organizations and, and finding a way through both technology and practices to, to build a big team that's capable of working as such. And time and time again, man, every time we find a customer and or case study who's managed to put that team together, man, do they take off like a rocket ship and just no one can keep up. It's, it's because they have pizza and cookies. <laughs> Like that's it's just like user group meetings. The, the, the best gear to success to get people to collaborate and engage is pizza and cookies. It's hard to fight when there's a pizza between you. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> All right, sounds pretty good, guys. Well, thanks for joining us here uh, on the podcast for day one. Oh, Andrew, Andrew wants to talk. You've been so silent. No. Have you been texting? He's been paying attention. Maybe a little bit, mostly paying attention. So ironically, these five gentlemen are who I've spent my entire day with. So we've pretty much talked about my day already, aside from getting lost on the train this morning. I was trying to give you a pass there. I wasn't going to bring it up. All right, so um, every year we have a good insight story. One year it was Pete Fletcher and his lost passport. Now we have an Andrew gets lost on the train story. So let's hear it, Andrew. I mean, it's not super complicated. I typed into my phone, you know, my location to Messe Berlin. And it turns out that there's a neighborhood called Messe that's on the other side of the city. In Berlin. <laughs> and This is actually Messe Sud. So we spent, <laughs> what, 30 minutes on the train this morning getting, going to what I thought was the conference center. We and were we, following the navigator. We, we got off the train and came up the stairs and said, this is not where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And Did you go to Messe Nord? No, we went to, there's a, it's a neighborhood or a suburb. How was it? it beautiful. I mean, lots of, lots of neat little houses not and where stuff I like that, be. but <laughs> not, a not a conference center. center. Yeah. So did you knock on someone's door and just start talking about containers? No. Because <laughs> that would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. <laughs> Jehovah's Witness for containers. <laughs> Testify. We don't have Rippy with us. Otherwise, we could have done that. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, uh, as you guys said, right, it's been a, a super good day. 
had a lot of conversations, as Josh said. I've run my mouth a lot, right? I've done that 50% of my job. So uh, looking forward to tomorrow, looking forward to the rest of the week, right? Keeping the, the energy level up, right? Which uh, Insight is always fabulous for that, right? Everybody's here is super excited, is always interested in what we're doing. Um, the developer cafe has just been a beehive of activity. Um, super, super happy about that. I'm super, super surprised by how many people are actually building on top of our platform. I'm going to be completely and frankly honest. What? Yeah. You no. Should, you I, should get out with, of the office more. No. Well, so so like scripting and that stuff, that I knew about because we see that all the time with, with, with customers. But what has quite frankly shocked me with the developer cafe is is I did not anticipate customers making that that final jump in in this this whole escalation of let's bring everybody together and let's figure out how to work better and and they've taken it all the way to the extreme which is okay tell me about your API how can I work with it what are the integration points what would that look like you know in 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 some cases sending their actual developers here so that they can get you know more, more direct information that I didn't see coming well I'll I'll, I'll say one thing that I think from our audience standpoint, you know, for the Tech on Tech podcast, it, if you are in a storage discipline and your focus is on storage and you don't think that your organization or someone in your organization or somewhere, somewhere in your company, someone's trying to do DevOps or trying to implement, you know, yeah. these new technologies, you really got to you got to pull a, a Glen and get out of your cave and go look at some sunshine for a little bit because, uh, frankly. You know, this is this is one of those movements in technology that you look at it and it's it, it's really easy to just brush it off as just some you know the um, what is it the, the the thing of the day right the tech du jour if you will yeah but it's not a technology play it's not a culture play it's a combination it's a methodology right yeah. for people to follow and people like to be instructed well right when when you when you follow a methodology it's really easy to adopt so whether you're an enterprise or a medium business or service provider. Like these same frameworks, and it's it's much. And you know, I yeah. had a conversation yesterday, or maybe it was the day before. You know, actually, it was last week at the DevOps Enterprise Summit. They were talking about like, you know, so how does ITIL play into this? Now, if you're an organization where you've adopted ITIL, that can be the most painful thing in the world, right? And it's designed for providing process, and it seemed like it would be at odds, but it's it's actually a a recognition of if you give an organization a good process that allows them to be successful, they will adopt it. Um, which is why I, it's sometimes bizarre to think that people would adopt ITIL. But I appreciate it because they had problems and things that they had to address, and ITIL provided that framework in order to fit it. So it, I think that's the reason why you're seeing what you're seeing is the fact that it's so easy for people to do that, even in a small group, and then expand that to a large organization, and they can even be isolated in doing it. It's just then expanding that to a broader set of the organization. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I agree with that. You know, that get what is it? You know, people are so thirsty for leadership. They'll, they'll, I can't remember this quote now. I've completely spaced. I think we know where you're going yeah. with that, though. Yeah, it's it's the same. It's the same. Uh, the same general concept. I, I think the the thing that that surprised me, though, honestly, was the fact that it's reached down into the storage vertical as quickly as it has, because it is such a niche part of the architecture, like. You know, it's it's one of the reasons that I walked through the, the 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 timeline as I understood it with containers a moment ago because it's shocked me 
you know, think about that. You know, you Cisco, right? You know this, Josh. Completely walked through overlay networks and in 12 months went from something that was highly debatable to something that was just solved. Problem done. We don't think about it anymore. These hosts can talk to each other. These containers will figure out how to get to one another. Problem over, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if you if you look at what has really driven that more than anything, it's not necessarily DevOps per se, but a... You know, and I talk about this in one of my sessions, so if you go back in the recording on one of them, um, it really comes down to the expectations have changed, yeah. which means the requirements have changed. You know, we, we just spent the last decade with virtualization basically saying, throw everything in a bucket, and if you don't like it, we'll try to figure something out later. But that's, <laughs> that has been the mentality. That has been what has been delivered, and for the most part, our businesses, our consumers, were fine with that because it was so much better than what they had had five years prior. Yeah. But now... We're in a position where they're like, you know what? Everything that you've done has been great, but what we have to expect has fundamentally changed because now other companies who are adopting technologies in a meaningful way that are improving the way that they're delivering to their customers are disrupting them, are, are showing them to be laggards in how they deliver, right? You, you look at uh, you know, banks, you look at retail, you look at even online stuff. Like they have been forced to change what their requirements are and what their expectations are, and as such, a good IT professional, a good IT professional, will look at that and will step up and make it happen. You know, so um, you're, you're talking about requirements, and and they have changed, and expectations have changed, and um, the the DevOps methodology is about accelerating development and that whole process. But what hasn't changed is the need to protect data. So it's kind of an exciting time yeah. to be. Um, on the data side of things, because how, how do you accelerate all this stuff and move at lightning speed um, and you know follow that motto of fail fast, but it's fail fast, but don't lose any data. Yeah, don't let, don't let the Russians hack <laughs> so, your email server. So, so there's a lot of opportunity for us to bring our, you know, our, our experience from going through the virtualization phase and our, our special knowledge of how to manage data, but also to innovate a lot in this space and help reduce that data friction that people are experiencing in their DevOps pipeline. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, Brendan. That Because that, that that is where the big value comes from from all the products that we produce, right? It's the snaps and the clones and the replication. It's it's what, what, what I oversimplify and just say, we're attempting to build <clears throat> anti-gravity, right? We're, we're trying to reverse the polarity of, of this whole observation of data mass and data, data gravity and find a way your technology and, and an ecosystem to just make that not so painful, make it easier to move things around, you know, when they have actual persistence and, and actual data sets that, that they rely upon. And honestly, guys, I just did not think that the, the IT industry was going to try to pull the persistence tier into this conversation this soon. It, well, I'm glad it's they caught did. me a little surprised. No, me too, dude. I'm very, I'm ecstatic by it. I think it's it's fantastic. I it's, think you just came up with our next marketing campaign, Data Anti-Gravity. <laughs> it's oversimplification. It's not nearly enough fancy words, but we'll figure it out. Actually, I want to go back to the old marketing campaign. Let's just go back to the AND campaign. That was always my favorite. Like the Coke Zero one? No, just oh. AND. <laughs> Storage efficiency and data protection and replication and simplification. Screw or. Or's for the other guy. I want to play with and. I like how you threw your simplification into that very long uh, marketing message. Well, that's what I do, Justin. You know me. It's irony. Yeah. It's going to make for a bad sticker, though. <laughs> yes, very, <laughs> very uh, cluttered. So, so, Justin, how was your day today? What, what did you do? 
besides take pictures with Fletcher. He waited for this moment. Everything in my life has been leading up to this moment. <laughs> um, from birth until my career at NetApp uh, has been leading up to this. So that, that is an actual factual statement. <laughs> it is. I'm not making that up. Uh, so, no, my day was basically uh, sessions and booth duty and talking about Flex Group and ONTAP and all the goodness that's out there and tracking down T-shirts. I'm hoping to track down these T-shirts. Uh, it's a mystery right now. I've got my Sherlock Holmes cap on. Yeah, listeners, sorry. If you're at the show, we planned on having a giant stack of Tech on Tap t-shirts. Uh, we're trying to find them. They're around here somewhere. They yeah, they're at our booth. Mystery they're at your sold. booth? Yes. Jeez. But you're we're, welcome. But we're missing our shirts. Yes, but if you have our shirts, let us know because we can't find ours. <laughs> <laughs> we have them. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't have them. Well, that's awesome. We found the shirts. Yes. Okay. Mystery They're solved. Covered. Okay, Sherlock Holmes. At, Listeners, uh, if you'd like a T-shirt, where is this booth? So we're actually going to probably bring them over to the Bring on the Future booth, where, it's, where I put the CC on there for that. I don't know how they ended up with yeah, you. Yeah, not sure. Anyway, so that, they'll go go there. And then um, we'll also have stickers there tomorrow. Uh, both the old version and the new version will be there. So if you want to check that out, come by, get a sticker. Maybe we'll be over there. You can meet us or talk to us or punch us in the face. Whatever you want to do. Um, we're game. I'll let you take those last ones. Yeah. Yeah. Punch me in the I face. I'm visiting the booth tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All and right. On that Why note, do you need to go to the booth to do that? You work in RTP. Just come by the desk anytime. Punch me in the face. Very well. Invitation. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's a wrap here today. Um, catch us tomorrow. We'll be doing more recaps all week. Uh, and if you find us and you decide you want to be a guest on the podcast, just pull us aside and we'll, we'll do some recording. Uh, or you can schedule something and we'll meet you up at a booth and we'll, we'll talk about things that you want to talk about, whether it's Insight or Berlin in general, whatever. We don't care. We're, we're just going we're, we're to start interviewing random listeners about their, their opinion on Berlin. Yes. Why not? I mean, we did tapas in VMworld. Okay. Good point. Good point. We're going to turn this into a food and culture show. Okay. I'm, d- I'm down with that. I've Data officially storage. switched to the next podcast already. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're all done now. All right, uh, thanks again to Glenn Sizemore, Josh Atwell, Garrett Mueller, Brendan Wolf, and Andrew Sullivan. I'd thank myself, but that's pretty lame. Uh, we'll thank catch you, you tomorrow. Thank you, Justin. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Justin. <laughs>